In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. In these days of Easter, we have at the center of our liturgy and of our hearts, really, the risen Christ. Christ is risen. We proclaim joyfully. And throughout these 50 days of Easter season, Lord, we want to continue proclaiming that and living it and believing that. Christ is risen. The great joy at the Easter vigil that I was at here in Manhattan Presider was a, was a bishop, and the first words of his homily, Christ is risen, he said, with a booming voice, and a spontaneous uh, alleluia from the crowd. It was so much joy in this great truth of the risen Christ. Indeed, without it, our faith is in vain, St. Paul writes. And how should we take it then, day by day, our lives here in 2021, with this uh, awareness, this truth of the, of the resurrection, well, I think we can uh, learn certainly from the Gospels. And just for example, looking at the last words of each evangelist, it's striking, I think. Perhaps we know some of them bit by heart. Of course, St. Mark is the briefest Gospel, and he writes at the end of his account of the life of our Lord. And so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. Amen. So St. Mark mentions the, well, the ascension of our Lord and that the Apostles went out and preached everywhere. St. Matthew, our Lord says to them before his ascension, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. So here all this, also this mandate we have at the end of Matthew's Gospel. The Lord sends them out, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. St. John, the, we say the more theological gospel writer. But there are also many other things which Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written the life of Jesus on this earth that he had witnessed. It makes reference to that. So many things the Lord had, did, had done. And then St. Luke. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy 
and were continually in the temple blessing God. A little bit different here in, in St. Luke's ending. But there's a great unity as well with all these gospel writers. There's this uh, worship of God that St. Luke makes reference to. Continually in the temple blessing God. And they're out there. They've gone out. They're, they're, they have this mandate, this mission to spread the good news. All this centered on the resurrection. And that's, that's our faith. Without the resurrection, we have no faith. The um, most to be pitied if there's no resurrection. And we see how the apostles precisely preach about the person, Jesus Christ, his humanity, his death, his resurrection. That's at the heart of their preaching. Not just, it's, it's the, the whole moral uh, instruction, if you will, in a certain way is secondary. What's the point of the apostles? What, what is the message they're getting across? That Jesus Christ is true God and true man. That he really walked upon this, God walked upon this earth. Emmanuel really happened. God is with us. He, what do we pray in the creed? We see the, the symbols of the church, the early creeds of the, church, of the church. We believe in God Almighty. And Jesus Christ, his only son, who was conceived of the Virgin Mary, born of the Virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. What is Pontius Pilate doing in our creed? <laughs> Maybe shouldn't this be all about God and the Trinity? And, uh, yeah, the Pilate, it's, it's good that Pilate be there. Jesus walked upon this earth and he suffered. He, he, and a specific ruler there in that part of the world condemned him to death. And we see that in the, in the preaching of the, oh, the apostles. And it, it, it has to be also in the, in the, um, the, the heart of our, of our everyday lives, our, our mindset. It has to be that Jesus truly walked upon this earth. I don't, I don't believe in just some nice idea, right? I mean, he, St. Peter, in his discourse, in the Acts of the Apostles, call what, what he said to those on the day of Pentecost. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Peter needs to get the message out. He, he walked upon this earth. He, God with us, true God and true man, Took on, took on our flesh. And, and he suffered. He was crucified. He died. And he rose from the dead. 
Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And then, of course, St. John in his first epistle, right from the beginning, what's the message that that St. John gets across? That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we saw it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship with us. We have seen, we have been with God. We have heard him. We've touched him. We've lived with him. We see in the gospel how Jesus goes from village to village and the apostles are with him. We see how they take time, a quiet time apart in a quiet place. They have meals together. They have a weekend together. Jesus went with him and his mother and the disciples, his brethren, to Capernaum, for, and there they stayed for a few days. He, he was right there, Jesus was with the people, and John, St. John is attesting to this. That's the first thing he starts his, his, this epistle with. His, not, not some theological or moral you know, um, <laughs> you know, dictate. No, he's, Christ has is, Christ is tr- truly lived. And let's not take that for granted. Lord, we approach you. We, we, we've made our, our, we started our prayer with an act of faith. Lord, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. Real people, a real person sees and hears. You can relate to that. Maybe at times our, our prayer, we sort of go into a quiet mode. Let's see what I might think about. Maybe read some good things, think about some good things, but okay, but we have to get to this person who loves us. And so often we see how the saints, they, 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 they emphasize this need to open our hearts to this friend, Jesus. And you know, St. Therese of Lisieux, for me, prayer is a gaze to heaven, a surge of the heart. Or St. John Vianney, I look at the good God and the good God looks at me. There's, a real, there's this personal faith, the personal co- connection there, this encounter. Like Pope Benedict XVI said in his encyclical, God, God is love. Christianity is not some ideal. It's an encounter with a person. And Lord, we... We'll try to remember that as we approach you, like now in our time of prayer. Yes, Jesus, you who walked upon this earth, you who loved me, you, Jesus who died for me. And again, that's, that's what the apostles seem to want to emphasize. Is to, that's, their first role is that of witness. Witness to the, you know, to the birth and the life on earth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, yes, they, they offer their moral uh, well, teaching, well, the teachings of Christ, they pass that along. But first, Christ. We preach Christ. Well, St. Paul, he's the great apostle. 
we call him, of course, obviously not one of the twelve, but St. Paul, in his preaching, emphasized this reality of the sacred humanity of Christ. Now I would remind you, brethren, he writes to the Corinthians, in what terms I preached to you the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold it fast, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as, first, as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Chephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Paul preaches this Jesus, and Jesus crucified, Jesus risen from the dead. And this is the, well, this is the faith, truth of our faith that we need to always remember and, and, and live out. Because after all, as Pope Benedict XVI reminded us, uh, biblical studies is not just simply a matter of uh, academia. The point of the Bible is to live it out, like the saints. He makes reference to St. Francis of Assisi. The saints are the true interpreters of Holy Scripture. The meaning of a given passage of the Bible becomes most intelligible in those human beings who have been totally transfixed by it and have lived it out. By the life, by the death, by the resurrection of Jesus. Is that, is that, does that make a difference in my daily life? Do I believe? No, this would be, we shouldn't even take that for granted, really. C.S. Lewis makes an interesting point in, in mere Christianity. Our moods change. Even in, the, even in the area of faith, our moods change. So this is the first step. Recognize that your moods change. The next is to make sure that if you have once accepted Christianity, then some of its main doctrines shall be deliberately held before your mind for some time every day. That is why daily prayers and religious readings and church going are necessary parts of the Christian life. I guess we'd call that the plan of life. I, I need to take time to do some spiritual reading, some prayer, go to church. I need that. We have to be continually reminded of what we believe. It's very, we're human. It's not, it's not automatic. We don't want to just drift into our time of prayer and just assume, okay, let's see what happens. Well, we... The Lord is waiting for us, and he wants our response. Neither this belief nor any other will automatically remain alive in the mind. It must be fed. And as a matter of fact, if you examined a hundred people who have, had lost their faith in Christianity, I wonder how many of them would turn out to have been reasoned out of it by honest argument. Do not most people simply drift away? 
Lord, I don't want to drift away. And so I, I will try to pray. I will try to live a, pl- a certain plan of life. I will take time, Lord, to read Scripture and, and make acts of faith. You know, we have the creed at least once a week, and you know, during the obviously during the during the year, every Sunday we pray the creed. It's good for us to express what we believe, or what we say we believe. And it's good for us to, it, it, you know, the Lord, the Lord uh, increases grace by that profession of faith that we make. It increases grace in us, of course, depending on our disposition. But let's, so let's really pray the, the creed. Well, and believe, and ask our Lord, for, like the apostles, Lord, increase our faith, they said to Jesus. And therefore, let's be captivated, like Cardinal Rossinger said, captivated by the words of Christ, the life of Christ, like the saints, like St. Francis of Assisi, so many saints who really allowed the Lord to, to take over. And all this beginning with Jesus, you are God. It's like Matthew, St. Matthew, who had his faults, Jesus asked him, point blank, who do you say that I am? I guess in a way, our Lord asks each one of us that. Who do you say that I am? Of course, we know the answer of St. Peter. You you are the Christ. You, You are the Son of God. And we do well to respond in like manner, which is a gift. Faith, of course, is a gift. No one can force us to have faith. Not, you know, Jesus respects our freedom. But that, like C.S. Lewis said, that's why I need to, I need to pray. I need to bring these things of, of God to my, up, to my mind. And, and, uh, and yes, be aware that, yeah, there are, of course, there are plenty of writings out there that attack the reality of Jesus Christ as God. They seem as some sort of a, well, Arianism. In the early centuries, one of the heresies. Arius, he's sort of a superman. Not, not really God, but he had some special powers. No, that's not Christianity. Or that the, the, the heresy of docetism. That he really wasn't truly man. This, this sort of presence of God in some unusual way. The, the word Docetism comes from a, a, a Greek word which basically means to appear, to seem like. So that was an early heresy, which the, you know, the church strongly attacked. They defended the truth about Jesus Christ. It was summed up in one of the, um, one of the, the um, letters of the International Theological Commission. The object referent of the church's faith Jesus, Jesus Christ, is neither a myth nor any sort of abstract notion. He is a man who lived in a concrete milieu and who died after having lived his own life within the unfolding of a historical process. It follows that historical research concerning Jesus Christ is demanded by the Christian faith itself. In other words, to really study Jesus Christ, if you want to put it that way, it, it has to come from the point of faith. We will not know who Jesus really is without faith. He can't be studied as some just simple historical object or person. 
or for the Pontifical Biblical Commission. This research and the study of Jesus, we call, we call it Christology, this research is never detached, is never neutral. In fact, the person of Jesus affects every human being, including the historian, through the implications of his life and of his death, because of the importance of his message for human existence, and because of the portrayal of his personality witnessed to in each book of the New Testament. Nobody can study and present it and present in a totally detached way the humanity of Jesus. The drama of his life is an inheritance to the human race by means of his words and his disciples and his very own existence. We have to be be into Jesus in his whole life, including the fact that he is God, in order to understand him. To uh, relate to him. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is God. And without that faith, we really don't know Jesus. Another one of his comments is in a book on, called Journey to Easter, Cardinal Ratzinger. He says, science alone, I'm sorry, science of itself is not capable of recreating the past in the present. We live in the present. We live with Jesus in the present. So if we're going to talk about Jesus, we can't simply look upon him as a historical figure of the past. Given that prayer is central to the person of Jesus, Jesus prays. Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus goes off in the early morning to a quiet place to pray. Jesus, at, at the Last Supper, after the Last Supper, the, the priestly uh, discourse with the Father, Jesus prays. Jesus is prayer. He's constantly say communicating. Is that not even strong enough? He's with the Father. Jesus is prayer. In the garden, in the suffering, he, he prays. On the cross, he prays to the Father. And so without that, and, and, with, and the Pope is getting it, we have to enter into that. Given that prayer is central to the person of Jesus, sharing in his prayer is the prerequisite for knowing and understanding Jesus. Do I open the Bible? Do I look to the words of Jesus? Do I open my heart to Jesus? Do I try to enter into his prayer? Lord, we're trying now to to listen to you, to be with you. Sharing then in the intimacy of Jesus or in his prayer, which, as we have seen, means an act of love, giving oneself and handing oneself over to others, cannot be cast aside as some act or other of devotion which would not contribute anything much to true knowledge of him, and which could, in the end, obstruct the rigid purity of critical science. Cardinal Ratzinger here is speaking against those who would say, well, let's just look at the historical Jesus only. Let's not let devotion get in the way. Well, what does the cardinal respond to that? Entirely to the contrary. Such participation, this, this prayer, this devotion, this entering the heart of Jesus, opening our own heart, 
this participation is the fundamental presupposition by which we can attain to a real understanding of him. Into, into his spirit, absorbing them into oneself. If we really want to get to who Jesus is, we have to pray. We have to enter into his heart. As I say, theology has to be done from one's knees. And therefore, Christology can never be a purely academic theology. It's good. Pope Benedict XVI, the great theologian himself, understands and lauds the wonderful efforts of academia in this area of the study of Christ. But that, basically, but that's, that is not enough. We also need the theology of the saints, the theology which derives from a concrete experience of divine reality. And Lord, that's what we seek now. That's what we see the people in the gospel. They weren't uh, studying Jesus, well, those who drew close to him, who we can say, really got to understand him. They weren't just observing him from some, I don't know, uh, I don't know religious, political paradigm. No, they just go, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I, I, give, give me sight. Jesus, let me hug you. Jesus, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Those are the ones who got to know Jesus. And that's how we have to get to know him. We have, to, we, have to, we have to be beggars. The catechism tells us we have to be beggars before the Lord in our prayer. And yes, personally, we all need a concrete experience of divine reality. I guess we could call that being a friend of Christ. Concretely, in my everyday life, St. Josemaria would encourage us to discover Christ in your ordinary life. He's there. He's with you. He's waiting for you. He, he meets you there in, in your joys, in your sufferings, in your friendships, in your sins. He come meet us in our sins. He's such a merciful Savior and, and friend, a human. He, he knows us. And so we, Lord, we want to affirm your, your sacred humanity. With that's these days of Easter, that's what we're doing, aren't we? We're proclaiming the risen Christ. It's good to see him. It's, it's, I can say, theological to see him with those wounds in his hands. He was truly crucified. I remember Thomas. You know, he doubted until I until I put my finger in, in, his, in his wounds, his hands, his side. Well, he did. Jesus appeared to him. The risen Christ appeared to him with those wounds and. and Thomas, put your finger here. Of course, that's depicted in Christian art in many different ways, is the reality of the risen Christ with his wounds. He was really crucified. And that's the Jesus that we have to love in a very special way these days of Easter. Touch him. Talk to him. Believe in him. Ask forgiveness for him. Proclaim him, like Thomas did at that moment. My Lord and my God. 
Dominus meus et Deus meus. That's a good prayer too. It's, it's like C.S. Lewis was saying. We need to repeat. We need to be these truths of our faith need to be brought to our mind. We have to ponder them and just say them. Jesus, I believe in you. When we receive communion, yes, Amen. We say, body of Christ, Amen. We should really say Amen and everything that that entails. I believe. We can almost pray the creed in that moment. I believe in God the Father Almighty, in Jesus Christ. Conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Yes, amen, I believe. And like the apostles, we might have to say, well, Lord, but Lord, help my unbelief. Well, we certainly see great faith in the life of Mary. You know, it's interesting, considering those first two mysteries of the, of the rosary, of the joyful mysteries. After the, after the angel appears and had the dialogue, the angel Gabriel with Mary. And Mary says, yes, let it be done to me according to thy word. And then the angel departed from her. And then what? What, what would have happened then? We can use our imagination a bit. Because you know, that, that also is real. That's really, really happened. That's part of history. The angel appeared to Mary. She said, yes. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She had... The, Christ in her womb at that moment, the angel went away, then what happened? She prayed. I think it's safe to say she prayed. I, what else would she have done at that moment? She, she was with God. She was... And then the second mystery. In haste, she goes to the hill country to help, to serve her relative Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist. So this, that's a wonderful mirroring of the life of Christ in a way. Jesus prays. He prays to the Father. He goes off alone. And then he goes out. He goes out to serve. He goes out to bring salvation to the people. That's what Mary does. She prays. She receives the word of God. She prays. And then she moves. She goes out. She brings salvation. She literally has salvation in her, in her womb. Jesus, God saves, the Savior of the world. And she goes and, and brings it. So much so, John the Baptist leaves with joy in the womb of Elizabeth. And Elizabeth herself, who am I that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Well, we, and then we can try to go along those lines. Pray, we allow the Lord into our heart, and then go out. Go out to serve. Indeed, our Blessed Mother, St. Joseph, the saints, they give us a, a wonderful way to affirm our faith. Indeed, Jesus, I do believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. And I'll try to live my life accordingly. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father, Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.